Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I know what you're thinking. Wouldn't it be great if there was a podcast set in parks? Well, now there is. Roll titles. Hello and welcome to Park Date. You might be sat on a sweaty train or in a crumbling Victorian hovel. But for the next insert number of minutes, please, we'll be taking you back to nature. Because in each episode, we'll rip up the podcast rulebook and kidnap, well, lead, a different guest to their favourite local park. And there, we'll talk about the things that they like to do. So pack a picnic blanket. Try saying that after a few Proseccos. Our guarantee to you, lucky listener, is that this episode will contain one or more of the following. Ice cream, swings, grass, dog walkers, drunks, canoodling couples, a possible mugging, and fun in the sun. Unless it rains. So join me, Christopher Beanland. Yes, that is my real name. And a special guest as we try to create the perfect park date. Greetings, this is Park Date. I'm at Woodbury Wetlands, uh, which is uh, a place uh, where there's um, two old reservoirs. One of them is a nature reserve, and the other one you can swim in. Uh, I like to swim there, and in fact, I've just done that. It was very nice. The nature reserve portion of Woodbury Wetlands is an appropriate place, I think, to introduce this episode of Park Date, which features Helen Coffey. Helen talks about her book, Zero Altitude, which is an examination of the environmental implications of travel. Helen should know lots about this subject because she runs the Independence Travel Desk. Helen has lots of fun things to say, uh, as well as our chat about the environment. And if you like Park Date, and why wouldn't you, then please do review and um, subscribe and like 
the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that if you leave me a funny review, you are in with a chance of winning a prize at the end of this season. Name check some trees and make your reviews as funny as possible. And follow Part Day on socials at Part Day Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and the website is partdate.co.uk Please enjoy. Welcome to London Fields. Um, there's lots of people out. The weather's nice. Um, I'm here with someone very special. Her name is the same as my favourite morning beverage. <laughs> it's Helen Coffey. Wow. <laughs> you said you had a good intro. So that was a surprise. <laughs> I can't believe I recorded just for that. Oh, dear. Um... We've just been to the Lido. Did you have fun at the Lido? I had so much fun at the it Lido. It was good, wasn't it? Yes. Um, it's particularly nice, I think, in the spring months. We're in April right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a lot of fair weather swimmers. But when I say, I mean, it's a nice day, but it's still lots of people are like, it's too, it's too soon, it's too cold to swim. And they are wrong. They're wrong. It means we get it to ourselves, almost. Exactly. Ish. It's it's basically very, very pleasant to be swimming in oh, these conditions. Um, so pleasant. Yeah. And even when it's wintry, I still think it's nice. Oh, I, that's my favourite. I just... Yeah. I feel a bit one of those horrible curmudgeonly people that I think when it gets curmudgeonly. to... Curmudgeonly. When it gets to peak summer and suddenly all these people crawl out of the woodwork wanting to swim in my favourite spots... And I can't get in. I just feel like they should have to show evidence of having swum when it wasn't so delightful. It's very annoying. It's like how if you want to get England football tickets, you have to prove that you've gone to see England play San Marino or... uh, Albania, those those teams. So they they're kind of discouraging mm. people who just want to turn up and see England versus Argentina or something. So you, maybe you should prove at the Lido, yeah, that you you've like ticked off Stamped a number a card. of yeah January days. You had to you know be at the pool with a selfie holding yeah. today's newspaper in February. Yeah. That, and then they let you in yeah. when it's the August bank holiday or what have you. Yeah, I think that would be a much fairer uh, fairer way of doing it, definitely. Um, but it was, it was an, it's always a nice atmosphere, isn't it? I love to go to that Lido. And in fact, if, if you were going to play uh, a drinking, the Chris Beanland drinking game of the amount of times I mentioned London Fields Lido, um, you'd end up getting, getting very drunk. But it is a very nice place to go, isn't it? The atmosphere is always really nice. It is, and especially because you can just chill out there afterwards. Yeah. Because I love... I love a reservoir swim in uh, West We're Reservoir. Talking about this West Reservoir, yeah, yes. also um, very nice. Also very nice, but they can be a bit funny in summer once you've done your swim. Mm. If you just have a little lie out on on the decking, taking it all in. <laughs> can we re- talk about what just re- happened? The reason that we're both laughing is that a very cute golden retriever just squatted right in front of us and did something uh, which 
Well, you can probably yeah. imagine from our reaction. <laughs> It was really the, well done. The kind of thing a dog does. Uh, nobody seems to be cleaning it up. Nobody's picking it up. No one's picking it up. Uh, that's so not a good park etiquette. That's very poor park etiquette. I'm very upset about that. Actually. I don't know what's going on there. When I was, I was trying, <laughs> I was trying to explain the podcast to you in the Lido, and I, I remember when I was telling you, 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 you were sort of looking at me like, what? <laughs> like why? But then you said to me, it sounds very innocent. And I like I like that. Maybe it is quite innocent. That wasn't a very innocent uh, <laughs> occurrence. But no, that was that was adults only. It was. It was. Out. Very, um, very, very weird. No, and still, it's, it's still, still there. not it's still cleaned there. up. We need to, oh, we need to clean up after our after our pets. Um, but yeah, I think parks parks can be quite uh, quite kind of. Uh, well, when there's not dogs doing that, it can be just a very like nice place to be, can't it? You've got yeah. people playing. There's so many kind of friends hanging out, and but it all does. It's a very. It? It's a very. It does bring together every sort of strata of society, doesn't it? It's one yeah. of those places where yeah. every kind of element of the community comes together. So there will be like maybe some dodgy stuff going on sometimes, alongside the most innocent of pursuits. You know, small children running around doing handstands. And I kind of like that. You know, I kind of like... There's very few places now, well, A, that are free in our, you know, capitalist society, not to get all <laughs> Marxist about it, but, no, you're right. you know, that are free to enjoy yeah. and therefore everyone congregates in those spaces. This is so true. And that's the one of the reasons, actually, that I find parks really interesting because they are one of those few places where you can go, you don't have to spend any money. Obviously, you can buy an ice cream if you want, but... Yeah, it's just a place that's kind of free and it isn't commercialised um, and yeah, very important when you live uh, in a place without a garden. Oh my obviously. gosh, yes. Yeah. I, do you have a garden or...? I do not. No, Actually, I know, I'm lying. <laughs> You're like, oh, I, actually, I do have my three though. acres. I did, did forget about that. Forget about that. Three acres I have in your Canterbury mansion. Where is it? No, no. I I live on the Caledonian, Caledonian Road. Road. Yeah, um, not quite and, Canterbury. Yeah. Sorry, the reason I said that is because when we were talking about how important yeah. parts were, I was actually thinking about lockdowns and where I lived during the nearly the entire pandemic. Were you in a different was, place? Yeah, was a was a flat with no garden mm. and no balcony, nothing. Uh, and now I do. There is a very small outside space, but it's. It's very hard to enjoy because it's like a basement flat and therefore um, it doesn't really get any sunlight in the garden. Yeah. It's also quite chaotic. One of my housemates is sort of into like lots of different projects, including gardening. So there'll always be like just giant kind of mound of yeah. soil to negotiate. I'm sounding very ungrateful, but it, it's not like in my mind the sort of relaxing space I would want a garden to be. So I do like on parks as my garden yeah. I would say I think that's that's the thing isn't it you can kind of use it as your uh, as your garden play games you can hear the thwack of uh, tennis rackets the against of racket on ball. <laughs> I really need to stop sounding like Alan Partridge <laughs> when I'm commentating on what's happening it's so easy to slip into that but uh, you're building a visual picture it's beautiful I'm trying to yeah trying to paint a picture of, um, of what we can um what we can see but yeah it is it, i mean it's like a giant garden isn't it so you see people doing the things that they do in their garden maybe there's you know fat topless men yeah sunbathing or um and yeah here, kids is this still true no the um the, 
in London Fields, you, are you allowed to use disposable barbecues? Because for a, a period, it was kind of the only place in London you could do that. And so it really got yeah. lively. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And I think you're right. I think that in the southern part of the park, you're allowed to use um, barbecues. We're walking around the cricket pitch at the northern bit of the park. Um, as I said, I feel like maybe more than one of these podcasts is going to end up here in London Fields. Possibly all of them. Oh, come on so now. We need to split it into, okay. this is the podcast of London Fields North. <laughs> and then maybe someone's going to want that. But I do think you can do, I do think you can do barbecuing. Have you barbecued here before? Uh, no, but I've just sort of ambled through when I'm mm. like, oh, the smell on the air is yeah. quite engaging. Whilst also you're kind of like <coughs> coughing as you walk through the myriad barbecues. Like Apocalypse Now. There's all <laughs> exactly, this smoke there's suddenly rising. a haze over yeah. the park. Um, <laughs> but I quite like it because that takes it up to another level. As you say, people just using it as their backyard. Being yeah. like, oh, I'm getting my mates over. You know, so they kind of own the space. But yeah. I like that, you know, I like the ownership. It's funny, isn't it? People use the space in different ways. Um, and I guess everyone has to... Well, this is the thing about the city, isn't it? Everyone has to find their space within the space and interact mm. with other people, and you have to be mindful of others, which is good, um, good sort of uh, way to to live. Like thinking about other people and how other yeah. people want to use want to use the space, and everyone kind of has to work it out together, don't they? That's the way you're sort of pushed together in the city, aren't you? And you have to. And you, yeah, it's kind of beautiful, that idea, actually. You, you have to be courteous and you have to be mindful. I mean, you cannot be and some people aren't, but yeah. it's actually staggering the number of people who are, you just kind of, without thinking, intuitively live that way respectfully because otherwise it would be an absolute... <laughs> I was going to swear, uh, something show. <laughs> it would just—it would be awful. It would be a hellscape. Yeah. Uh, the visual—the <laughs> visual image for the for the word that Helen didn't use is what happened with that dog. <laughs> Which I'm sure five, we'll five we'll pass ago. it in a minute. <laughs> we, we can have another we're look. On our way, we're on our way back round towards it. Um, yeah. Um, do you have um, do you have any memories? Of <laughs> I've prompted, I've prompted Helen about this. I was, I was saying earlier. Do you have any memories of parks when you were, when you were a kid? Did you ever go? To, did you ever go to the park? I loved it when I was little. I went to a park. Yeah. Full stop. Next question. <laughs> and um, well, where did you grow up? I don't think I even know this. Oh, uh, in the, the beautiful commuter town of Hemel Hempstead. Hemel Hempstead. Yeah. Which people often confuse when they I say that they think I mean Hampstead, and so they have a very different idea of my idyllic posh upbringing. And I'm like, no, no, no! Imagine the place between Luton and Watford. That's a different place. Very, very different. Very to Hampstead. different. Very different to Hampstead. A lot less whimsical. A lot less charming. I can see. I can see how that could possibly happen. Is that as more than one person? confused yeah. Hemel Hempstead for Hampstead. Yeah, a lot. Really? It happens yeah. frequently. That's interesting. Um, but it did, you know, it still does have some parks, you'll be pleased to hear. What's the best park in Hemel Hempstead? Um, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be able to remember what it's called. But actually, I only discovered it as an adult. I sort of went back home for a week. Actually, it yeah. was 
it was between lockdowns when you were allowed to go home and I would go out for a little walk each day and just found this kind of it was amazing really like you know when you think you know somewhere very well and then you come across the kind of it was almost like walking through the wardrobe into Narnia but like summery Narnia so not so not really like Narnia at all actually Narnia wants Aslan's come back and return <laughs> summer to the land it Narnia, was like that Narnia in Hertfordshire or Bedfordshire <laughs> in Hertfordshire because <laughs> <Harfordshire. Yeah. laughs> uh, it was just this park and then I went through this little copse of trees and then it was just kind of like this open wild kind of I don't even know if you would call it a park like kind of wild grass wild flowers um, and it's really beautiful and it made me think actually there must be so many hidden pockets like that in places that you think you know are a bit crap and actually yeah. nah, every, especially in England we just have green space everywhere we're so lucky we do have a lot of green space I love the word cops by the way that's fantastic thank you <laughs> great I don't great often words. get to say it so you no, know, it thank you it doesn't, it doesn't come up very often does it <laughs> no. but it's a brilliant it's a brilliant word um, I I think think that um i think parks give us that first um taste of freedom right mm -hmm. so you know when you're a baby and that you know your mum is taking you out they take you to the park generally and then when you're allowed to play for the first time you go to the swings in the park and you know you sort of learn to hang out there and it's it's kind of your first first sort of taste of um of uh adventure really and yeah. yeah maybe it sort of gives you that taste for then traveling further and doing more more exciting things well i was just thinking like when you said what's what's your kind of early memories of parks i now realize you're talking about childhood but genuinely mine was like ah yes snaffling some bacardi breezes and taking them to a park bench <laughs> which in another way is its own first taste of freedom Indeed. one might say and when was, you feel like a grown-up, you know, yeah. staying out a bit late. Mm -hmm. And it was always in parks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, South Witton Common, I remember drinking uh, drinking the odd can of Fosters. Ooh la la! Go, 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 yeah, push, push, pushing the boat out. Yeah, it was a place where you could go, um, you could find the uh, shop where you didn't get ID'd and then you could get, exactly. get some drinks and hang out listen to music and you wouldn't be bothered by uh, by adults would you no you could create your own yeah. little world and kingdom there i think exactly. in a way that you just you couldn't do anywhere else uh, and actually that's kind of weirdly special i don't yeah. know if that's a uniquely british thing as well like the getting drunk in parks yeah uh, we, do, we do i like can't a drink, imagine french we? teenage french teenagers too cool for that they just <laughs> be like yeah. i've been drinking since i was two yeah. years old i don't understand <laughs> Excellent accent. That was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I apologise, French people. <laughs> Désolé. Désolé. Um, yeah, they probably go to restaurants or something yeah. civilised, don't they? Whereas we're sat on a park bench drinking a Bacardi Breezer. What's which? Um, which is your favourite flavour of which flavour of Bacardi Breezer would it be? What a question. I mean, I haven't had like one in about 20 like years. Was it like an orange there one? There was or cranberry, which cranberry. is very nice, so it seemed to recall. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never liked that. It was too sweet for me. Well, I know it was, you know, baby's first alcohol. I've progressed yeah. since then. <laughs> Things have evolved. <laughs> but what a way to start in a park. Yeah. <laughs> start, start as you mean to go on. Um, but yeah, I think those 
those um, yeah, those times in parks then can lead you to yeah, wanting bigger bigger adventures. I should have int- I should have introduced you properly by by saying Helen that you're a travel writer, travel editor, currently head of travel at the Independent, and you have uh, a new book out, don't you? Zero altitude about traveling traveling uh, without flying. Yes. I yeah. just, sorry, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, you didn't actually say who I was. No. So my name was enough. <laughs> I like that. Like, you you know who Helen Coffey is, right? I, you your know. Na- your name, exactly. <laughs> it's like a beverage. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, yes, yeah, so new book is out. First book, I should say. Um, is it your first book? Yes. Well, e- even more congratulations. I, thank you. Yeah. Out on 26th. May obviously available to pre-order now should you wish to um, and uh, yes yeah, so it was all about traveling without flying so um, kind of partly ab- about my like travel writing experiences like while well, trying to travel during a pandemic without taking any flights was quite challenging um, and then the other half is kind of more researchy so like talking to climate scientists and activists and campaigners about uh, why we do need to fly less mm. um, and like you know whether offsetting is actually effective whether there's any technology uh, that can make flying carbon neutral like all of that stuff so digging into a bit more because I think for lots of us we're just not really sure whether it's you know how bad it really is or not um, <laughs> Like, it's really interesting doing it from being a travel editing perspective because people are like, oh, but how can you do your job? Um, And, I mean, I guess it is trickier, but I think it's really important to start having those conversations and start normalising actually doing doing travel without hopping on a plane. I think particularly in this country, we, we are... I think it was something like in 2018, we took the most international flights of any nationality in the world. So we are, like big when it comes to flying in the UK massive it's just it's just our thought process is I'm going on holiday and getting on a plane that's it so part is about just kind of breaking some of that and going you don't always need to do that maybe maybe have a think about how you could get there and actually whether it could be more enjoyable yeah and those adventures can be very enjoyable can't they when you're going overland it can be a fun thing to do traveling by train or or by boat um and I think it's like baby steps, isn't it? I, I love the way on your articles on The Independent now, you have the fact box which says, if you don't want to fly, here's a way to do it. Um, but you do sometimes have to go to quite extravagant lengths if you're looking at a long-haul trip, <laughs> don't you? So yeah. we, we, we were talking about something I've always wanted to do because it sounds amazing but the, the idea of like getting on a freighter and going across the Pacific or across the Atlantic um, which is doable you can book a place so it's not like if you don't want to fly you can still go to Asia or America but um, yeah you need to find a ship uh, where you can get a cabin and then yeah I know I mean I'm not gonna sugarcoat it it is not not easy and it's not cheap you know Uh, so yeah you need a fair whack of commitment I think it is probably I really want to do it 
I think it's an amazing adventure. Yeah. But it's not it's not set up for passengers. It's you know, their cargo ship's set up for freight. So you're really just hopping along for the ride. Like when you're trying to book, they will say to you, Well, this is the date for when it's gonna leave, but it could be a month any time within the two months around that date. Is that okay? And you're like, um no, no. <laughs> so Oh, so it's it's really kind of um like not not tied down yeah it's very fluid because it will depend fluid, on yeah. oh well you know because they're going such long distances mm. as well if it's if it's been held up at this port because yeah. of whatever reason i mean look at what was that shit in the Suez canal that just stopped everyone yes. for, you know stuff like that can happen, stuff can happen. <laughs> um, and you just have to be prepared for that so yeah. it's obviously much easier if you're retired or on a sabbatical or something i think it's it's a very it's a hard sell for people in full-time work for sure um but it's an interesting idea that it is possible uh i've only had one so far actually i was really annoyed uh we had a feature i think it was the, i think it might have been madeira or the azores and i was like Every other one, I've managed to find something where it's like, if you don't want to fly, this is what you could do. It might be crazy. It might take you three months. But this is what you could do. Yeah. That one, you like, you can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> you can't get there. <laughs> they, there apparently was a ferry service from Portugal, and then they um, they stopped it, and now <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> that's very surprising to me because I imagine having been to both those places, um, cars and trucks have to get there somehow. You can't. You can't make, or well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine there isn't a car making factory on Madeira or the Azores. <laughs> I mean, write in if we're incorrect. <laughs> if we're incorrect, <laughs> something tells me if you want a car, it would have to get there on a on a ship. So I would yeah. have thought that. I was really, That's, I was very surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So there is occasionally one, and I, yeah, that just irks me because I'm like. Mm. It should be possible, damn it. It should be possible. <laughs> Even if it's really inconvenient and expensive, it should be possible. Now, this is making me think of um, Helen. Do you remember uh, Michael Palin's Around the World in 80 Days? Did you ever see oh, that? Oh, yeah. This was a program that really struck a chord with me when I was uh, a kid. I think I must have been about nine years old when that was on BBC One, and I loved watching it, and I'd always dreamed of of traveling around the world and it it made it made the act of travel look really exciting but he uh, he was um wrestling with those same problems i remember he was trying to get on freighters mm. and they had issues with the dates that they were leaving and would it kind of then tie up to the next boat um but it all looked very exciting and i think yeah maybe maybe we can kind of mix the environmental consciousness like eco-mindedness with adventure as well maybe the two things can kind of go together right Ooh, i that, think they go together perfectly yeah is that one of the things you thought about when you were writing yeah because i well first of all when i started i expected to just pledge to do it for a year uh, and that was in 2020 and then covid happened so the whole thing is just did you say gone. no you said no flying no flying no, yeah no so i haven't yeah. taken a flight since october 2019 yeah. um the idea behind doing it was was really this kind of yeah the environmental mindset yeah and i hadn't thought about it other than that and then actually when i started going on trips um using just overland terrestrial methods see 
I was like, this is like the most, even if I wasn't going to particularly exotic destinations, it was the most exciting travel I'd done because there was something so different than, I think booking air travel and getting a flight can feel very soulless because it, it's very easy, but it's not enjoyable anymore, is it? I mean, there are a few weirdos that absolutely love, love planes and love getting on flights. Not I, weirdos, I, lovely I, people. I actually... <laughs> There's a part of me actually does quite like planes, oh. <laughs> but I it's know. You. <laughs> but it's it is. I mean, it is a very globalized, a very sanitized kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, that's it, sanitized. Right, you could be in yes. at any airport. Any, I mean, they obviously have slight differences, but there is that kind of thing of being in an airport when you're doing overland travel. You're you're much more like in the place and in the moment. Aren't yeah, you? you're on a train or you're on a bus, you're on a boat. You're talking to people. You're kind yeah. of things that don't go to plan, <laughs> and you have to kind of think on your feet a lot. Um, but that's maybe part of the part of the attraction I as well, isn't so. it? So it's kind of part part of the deal. Yeah. Like one is, yeah, you're actually travelling through landscapes in a in a very like you're there, you're present way, yeah. which you just don't you don't have that with flying. You just you arrive, you're there, boom. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, like you say, the other part of it is. It just takes a lot more human interaction that we often lose a travel now because we can do everything remotely and seamlessly and that is great and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to go back to the old days but there is a part of it that's like you can very easily go on a trip without speaking to anyone yeah. local, having to wrestle with any language, having any inconvenience whatsoever and actually that kind of takes away a bit of the immersion, the experience of place. Yeah. Um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J U V E 
D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And like particularly, say, on one of my trips, I got the the ferry from Marseille in France to Tangier in Morocco. Um, which is like a kind of 48-hour ferry. Um, and the experience was wild because they just well, you don't t- have you any were tweeting, You were tweeting that. And I remember, I found that very enjoyable. Yeah, there was no, there was no seemingly provision for pa- passengers, was there? Everyone was in their lorry or their yeah, car. Yeah, they're in a lorry or car because yeah. otherwise why on earth would you get yeah. a ferry? And I, I only in hindsight was like, oh yeah, <laughs> not many well, people would choose to travel this way. They don't have to because they don't have a car. And everyone just thought I was nuts. Yeah. Were I they like nuts, Mademoiselle? <laughs> ça va? <laughs> ça va bien. Well, they, all, they were all like a piéton, which is like you know yeah. you're travelling by foot. And I a was like, oui, oui. Quoi? Quoi? To the point where, so I Ici? turned up at the bit that it told me to on my ticket. It had like we had this very helpful map. This yeah. is the tram stop you get from Marseille. Mm-hmm. This is where you go in if you're a foot passenger. And I was like, great, 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 following it all kind of got there this man uh was very confused but was like oh you know yeah go this way um this is all in french because i what i do love about marseille is they really don't speak to you in english and as someone that loves practicing my very terrible french i i love it um au, au contraire helen you're <laughs> helen Your <laughs> french is very good <laughs> no 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 um so you were, so, so I did were, all that, and I and then I got there to like French. this kind of. You um, opened you opened your copy of Tricolore. Like, <laughs> 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 Rosetta Stone, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So his directions took me, and yeah. you know it was a port, so it was very big. So I walked for ten minutes, yeah. got to this building that was clearly the building for foot passengers that had this like very securely locked door with a chain around it, and I thought, ooh, that's not a great sign. Um, then had to just wander around, find another guy in some high vis. He was totally bemused. And it sort of eventually turned out that the actual, the ship was like literally the other side of the docks. So you were in the wrong place. I was in the wrong place because oh normally there'd be enough foot passengers. This is also kind of pandemic-y time. Yeah. So I suppose travel wasn't back to normal. But um, yeah, they'd normally have enough people. I suppose they'd check them in there, they'd do the passport control, and then they'd bust them over to the ship. Yeah. But I was the only one on the entire <laughs> entire ferry who was travelling by foot. So, of course, they hadn't opened the building for me. I mean, I wish someone had let me know, but <laughs> they did not. <laughs> so this guy had to just get me in his van because he was like, you're going to miss the boat. Um, <laughs> well, that's like something kind of perverse, like um, when you travel first class with Lufthansa, isn't it? You get a get your own get driven to the place well, like yeah, that you, you it is. first class ferry you got driven there I felt a bit fancy. by yourself yeah 
Amazing. And then a separate guy had to, you know, after several hours wait, so I wasn't actually going to miss it, but um, yeah, another man had to drive me onto the ferry because I couldn't walk on with my wee legs. I had to be... <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, weirdly feel like a VIP. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. But it was, yeah, like, like it sounds a bit like, oh my gosh, but it was so fun because yeah. I thought I can't remember the last time I'd had that sort of experience traveling, yeah. like having to talk to people, find out what was going on, like, oh no, like, oh, what's going on? It's crazy. You know, yeah. all of that is really, it's kind of part of the reason why we travel to have new experiences and adventures and yeah. I think there's something to be said for um, travel giving you um confidence in yes, a way yes i i feel like i've i've got a lot of self-confidence from, from traveling over the years because you have to problem solve a lot mm. um and you realize that actually you can deal with so many more things than you ever thought that you could and i think actually having those experiences especially when you do solo travel mm. um it kind of shows you that you can get yourself out of any situations and that you can learn so much and travel just seems so uh so valuable to to you know you as a traveler but also to helping your understanding of um different places and cultures i think it, it, it's a real it's a really kind of difficult balancing act isn't it because i really believe that travel so important and that we can kind of learn from other cultures and i, I think it probably helps us to to understand and maybe to be more empathetic to others uh, yeah. i think there's a lot of value in it but obviously with the environmental side we have to be careful don't we that we're not kind of overdoing it because um, you see so many problems obviously with it's like flying and you know development of hotels and resorts and things there's a lot of issues as well isn't there like environmental yeah problems and destruction that travel causes and you have to kind of uh, <laughs> sad child Aww. oh dear very sad child it's very sad um maybe because of the state of the world well i was um, going to say the complexities of travel yeah. as a force for good or evil yeah would make any child cry it's a it's a difficult one but yeah what do you think like you have to i guess you have to yeah kind of like get that balance don't you yeah, I mean, there is a chapter in the book, actually, about, um, like, called The Dark Side of Going Cold Turkey, as in, if we all stopped flying tomorrow, that would clearly do massive mm. detrimental, um, well, be massively detrimental yeah. to, to lots of destinations where that we have now built an economy for them that is tourism-dependent. Um, and so, yeah, we have, we have to be mindful about that. And the pandemic really showed, I mean you know it was like a real life case study of all these places where suddenly that form of income stream has dried up people are just left without without jobs without money like it's it's not some easy equation um so i think it is complex i think what we have to think about um from lots of the experts i spoke to was the way we travel so if we are going to go long haul make it a really intentional trip where you're going quite a long time if you can um where you're trying to spend money as locally as possible like to have a very enriching experience to you know not contribute to over tourism and that doesn't mean you can't go to like you know amsterdam or barcelona or venice ever again but 
thinking about going to those sorts of places in the off season, so not like the kind of peak summertime, trying to get a bit, you know, the horrible phrase off the beaten track, but, uh, you know, trying to see more of destinations when we're there, not just kind of ticking off a bucket list of stuff, yeah. but actually experiencing a, a wider perspective. Um, yeah, I think it's just really, yeah, being more thoughtful, mindful, intentional, whatever you want to call it, um, with where you spend your money and how and who it's helping. Yeah. These things have come uh, to the fore so much, even in just the past few years, haven't they? Mm. Uh, it wasn't a kind of discussion that we had so much um, even recently, but I guess kind of see it's like it's like the don't look up thing isn't it where yeah. like maybe it's time that we actually really started to think about these things seriously um yeah yeah and especially i think um if you're if you're the kind of person that has the disposable income to travel a lot then you actually do have a responsibility that comes with that you know people often argue like oh you're punishing you're punishing people with a very low income essentially by saying you shouldn't fly and I really push against that because the problem isn't people that take one package holiday a year where they're flying short haul to Spain and back and they have their two week break that's not the issue it's it's people who are and I would count myself in this bracket more middle class have more disposable income and, and money to spend and you know just part of the course would be doing you know pre-pandemic few city breaks here and there maybe a ski trip maybe a summer holiday you know just combining so many different trips within one year without thinking about it so the <laughs> I and I'm not judging anyone else yeah. by the way because before I, I took the pledge in 2019 yeah. the reason I took it is because I realized in six months I'd taken I think it was 24 flights, so it was almost one a week, the average out as, and I felt a bit sick. I mean, I'm a travel editor, so it makes a bit more sense, but even so, that's wild. Yeah, it's it's your job, of course, but yeah, I, I was making a sort of wincing face because I was thinking <laughs> myself about my own uh, free, frequent flyer behaviour, but it, it's it's hard as as a obviously um, as, you know writer journalist, you need to be really in those places to tell those stories authentically um, and it, it is a hard one there's mm. there's kind of things you can do when you're at home or at your desk um, but a lot of the time you really need to go to the place and, and see what it's like and talk to people and there's so many so many kind of things you know there's like events festivals conferences all these reasons why people have to travel I thought that was interesting in the pandemic as well people are always talking about holidays but actually travel is a, for so many other reasons as well isn't it you know seeing yeah like we all have you know families yeah. spread across the world now like people's you know families in Australia and America and everywhere and yeah people having to having having to travel to events and things there's only so much you can do on zoom so actually travels about more than just kind of your holiday isn't it it's about the, the whole sort of society and culture that we've built um, but we definitely need to find ways of doing it better don't we and maybe if we can see that actually taking the ship is a way that can make it make it better or taking the train we were talking about the train weren't we and how actually the train is can work a lot if if you're talking about kind of getting around Europe or mm. or um, uh, you know a lot of 
other places like Asia and America even, they have better kind of train connections than people would would realise. And yeah, you you know you can get the you get the train from England to wherever you want to go really in Europe. Yeah. As long as you've got the time, you can do it, and it's fun. It's, it's so fun. fun. Like travelling by train is really really fun. It's can be romantic. It's do you remember um, Before Sunrise? Oh my gosh, yes. One of my favourite <laughs> films. They talk such a lot of nonsense, but I love it. Such it's a just, lot of nonsense. They just take, take it in turns to have really, really deep monologues while looking very sexy. It's hot. <laughs> it's hot. That's the screenplay I want to write. <laughs> People talking in a very, very deep and uh, philosophical way. But, of course, they meet on a train. Yes, so they're, both, they're sort of interrailing almost, they're, aren't they, yes, when they meet? Exactly. It's a, um, if you haven't seen it, it's a Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. um, in, in their prime, like very young, both of them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, all, it's the dream that you would have when interrailing, I imagine. You meet sexy stranger on train. You spend the most beautiful day together you've ever had. You fall in love because you're 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh la la. It's getting so French. Julie Delphi, of course. Julie Delphi is so French and so, so beautiful. Oh, oh she e- doesn't oh, know Ethan. it. Oh, Ethan. Oh, Ethan. <laughs> the, so I think that's that, the, are we selling it to people, do you think? You should, if you've not seen Before Sunrise, you should go and, go and watch it. I think, it's the, I think it's the best film about travel ever made as well because it really captures that experience of when you're young and you don't know what you're doing and you've got no money... And you meet, you know, yeah. cool people and you just walk around. Well, in this case, they're in Vienna, just walking around and talking and kind of experiencing the world. Um, I, I feel like it. I had a mini version of that uh, on one of my trips Did last you? year. Tell us about Very that story. Mini. Uh, well, just this, this is not the kind of thing that happens to me, by the way. Mm. Um, so please don't think it is. But uh, yeah, so I'd gone, I'd gone over to northern Spain on the ferry Santander, then got the, the little uh, little narrow train to Bilbao. Oh, this was all solo, and like the plan was, I was walking part of the Camino pilgrimage trail, um, the Del Norte one, uh, back again. And on my first night, sort of in Bilbao, I went out. Um, thought I'll go and get some pinchos. Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah, pinchos. The North Spanish version of tapas. I'll have a drink. So, yeah, I did that. I was all obviously. I, I wasn't even looking nice actually. I'm thinking back. I wasn't looking like Julie Delphi. I'm sure you were. But I was sitting alone in a bar, and then just this man walked in, ordered some great stuff in Spanish, and then he just turned to me and said, "Are you English?" <laughs> <laughs> because as I have discussed with Chris before, people always know. <laughs> I radiate Englishness from my pores. Um, and it turned out he what? was Dutch. Oh, right. And then he proceeded to chat me up over some wines. And then, because it, it turned out even more impressive than me, he'd got there without flying. He'd cycled from the Netherlands. Wow. And he was cycling all the way around, I think, down through Portugal Ho- to southern Spain. Wow. Holland to Spain yeah, on a bike. Yeah, on a bike. I mean, that's basically the Tour de France. He'd basically done the Tour de France. <laughs> Um, that's very, very impressive. Uh, so then, obvi- obviously, we had a snog because, you know... Why not? Went in Bilbao. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we met up a, a few days later. I, I was doing my walk, and then we met up in this little Spanish seaside town. He'd cycled there. 
and had like a really fun night out in this like tiny town where we were trying to find somewhere to go dancing and googled it and went to this place and it was honestly like this little pub with three very old grumpy men in it and I was like this is rated number one for dancing in Laredo it's great <laughs> what was that on TripAdvisor rankings <laughs> dancing dancing number one number one grumpy old man pub that's a great story what was the Dutch guy's name uh, he was called Tom Tom yeah hello Tom if you're listening hello Tom thanks for the memories thank you well for the memories <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story and those those things are um, those things are you know that's an amazing thing to happen when you're when you're travelling has that happened to you a lot Helen have you been no it really hasn't that's by... why it was surprising I was like <laughs> chatted up by what? many Dutch cyclists <laughs> It's a rare occurrence for me. Yeah. I'm in my middle 30s now, so don't don't expect men to chat me up in bars. Maybe I should, but um... it's so much more uh, romantic for that to happen than um, to use. So we were talking about dating apps earlier, weren't we? That's that kind of in real life. Oh yeah. The meet, that meet cute. Um, and especially when you so travel, because nice, yeah. I think you know what you're just you're so much more open to experience. Yeah. I was thinking if that happened, you know, in a pub in Slough, <laughs> you put your hand over your glass. Don't spike my drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's there's no way. There's no way. I think in your sort of your home, your homeland, you're much more closed off. And then you go abroad, and you're suddenly like, why not? Why not take a chance? Why not have a conversation with someone? Um, especially as we were saying, when you're when you're travelling solo, and you kind of get that that confidence and. Yeah, I just I think there's something really special about travel for that. Yeah. So, also, yeah, it could be a place where you can meet your uh, meet your partner. Much much better to do it like that than uh, yeah, go on go on Hinge and do it. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah, everyone's in. Well, I guess he was in a different place as well. You're in a different place, so yeah, you kind of have that openness in your in your mind, don't you? Um, yeah. I guess there's so many. Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, there's so so many places you could go, maybe so many Dutch cyclists that you could talk to. <laughs> just almost almost too many. I was reading an article you wrote, Helen, about um, that. What was that new Netflix show, The Ultimatum? Oh, was, really? You read that? I read that. I read that today, and it and it made me laugh because um, I was thinking at any time I see choice paralysis mentioned, my I'm always like, oh yeah, I love I love that. I love that. There's a very good podcast about um, um, about that, where they talk about uh, all the types of jam uh, <laughs> that get sold, get sold in the supermarket. If there's like 25 types of jam, it's too much. It's jam. too much. Yeah, too much jam. If there's only three, the sales of jam are much higher. Yes, so. it's so interesting that this. Yeah, I think we're we're only just beginning to really understand that more widely. That more more choice infinite choice is not better it's much worse for us and we yeah. really struggle um i mean i even find that with travel you know when when you've got the whole world to pick from right. it actually weirdly this does link to flight free because part of what i enjoyed about it was it does limit your options and this is in a really manageable way this is exactly what i was about to bring up yeah i was i was gonna say that because hey. we, yeah because we kind of you know i look at I look hungrily at an atlas and think, mm. I want to go to all these places, but 
actually maybe we should be doing less and yeah when you're limited to okay where can you go that doesn't involve um, waiting two months for a freighter <laughs> <laughs> to arrive yeah. then um, yeah you can do it uh, and actually one of the one of the things which I think is quite interesting is thinking about how far you can get so I don't know if you're mm. thinking about that when you you went to Morocco were you like oh you know can I get to uh the next country like can i get to like mauritania or can i get to like the next like into algeria or something it's kind of interesting isn't it thinking about how far i think can you drive across africa can you like drive all the way to i'm not sure if you can the thing is i I don't want to sound very small-minded but that that's kind of one thing um that held me back was you know be i think being a solo female traveler mm. um who that was actually my first time to the continent of africa you know taking this trip to morocco which is really surprising to me i don't know how mm. i've managed to do that but anyway here we are um yeah you then get to a point where actually the trains in morocco are fantastic but if you, you start to like go elsewhere it's not so great mm. there are more worries about safety not everyone like that's a really bad like broad frustrating thing to say but in terms of trying to like uh, travel the whole of that continent by myself, I wouldn't feel confident enough to do that mm. now because I think it would be a bit naive of me to think yeah. that I could just do that blasé without any real knowledge. Or Let's do it together because there's a lot of Africa that I've never been to. Um, right. I've been to Morocco, I've been to South Africa, and then there's just all this. This is the rest. The rest, right. Like, I think like, it's probably... Yeah. Did you say Mauritania, by the way, because you did today's Worldle? <laughs> was it on Worldle? It was on Worldle. Worldle. Because that was today. Was that today? <laughs> so I was like, maybe that's what's in his mind. But there is nothing like that game, if you haven't heard of it. It's, yeah. it's like Wordle, but you've got the outline of a country and you have to guess it oh. in six. And whenever it's in I, Africa, I, I just like mentally go, oh ones. no, because I've... Yeah. got such bad geography and that's on me that's really bad oh it's it's difficult but though telling like, oh. telling central african republic from chad is is not an easy an easy ask and i'm a, a geek for geography um but yeah we should do let's let's do an african adventure helen okay let's do that Bam. let's do that um here for it yeah excellent and we'll go we'll go with that flying so <laughs> um yeah your book's out uh, well, it might be out by the time this podcast is out. Oh, that's exciting. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> throwing cricket balls right in front of us. Yeah, we need to <laughs> we'll try not maybe to, dodge this. We'll try not to get hit um, by... Oh, uh, thank Should you. Should we go for... a guy using a, a, like the thing that you throw the dog ball with. <laughs> throw a cricket ball. This is very um, ingenious. Yeah. I like the game that they've I like that, yeah. It's very good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, yeah, so the book's going to be out. Uh, are you doing any kind of... Um, you need to be on, you know, breakfast and Good Morning Britain and all those things, don't you, Helen? You're oh, going to be so. doing a bit of that. Invite me on, guys. Yeah. I hope so. Well, I say I hope so. Uh, the more, whole more thing fills me with exhaustion to think me. about it, but um, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, yes, there'll be lots of lots of promotion, lots of chances to talk about other ways of travelling. Um, because yeah. I think it's a really good time to talk about it. I think we've had a sort of, you know, I hate. I know people hate the the great reset idea but like you know we have had this weird time we are thinking more about our choices in general and i think yeah it's a good good opportunity to have yeah. conversations about that and that's a great place to 
to finish it as the sun is kind of setting. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's looking so beautiful, isn't it? Um, thank you so much for talking to me, Helen. I hope Thanks, you've enjoyed Chris this. Thanks, Greenland. <laughs> it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, pretend, like, pretend like you don't know me, so it sounds more professional. <laughs> thank you, Christopher. <laughs> okay, cheers, Helen. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Park Date. Um, there's lots more where that came from, and there'll be more in the future as well. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review, um, good or bad, make them funny. I'll be reading out the best ones, and there'll be a prize for the one that makes me laugh the most. Name check some trees in your reviews and leave them wherever you get your podcast from. Check out our website, parkdate.co.uk. And um, if you see me walking around in the park, come and say hello. I think that was the sound of someone sneezing. Um, yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. On the next episode of Park Date, we speak to Finnish director Ark Hard about his lockdown movie in which people didn't even meet each other, they just talked on Zoom. Lapland Laptop Life during lockdown in Lapine Ranta. Ark, thank you for joining me. Kitos! And I will make a nocturnal journey to Norwich's Erland Park to convene with the ghost of Leonard Rossiter. All this and more coming up on the next exciting and hilarious edition of Park Date. Park Date. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.